section four of going abroad some advice this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b going abroad some advice by robert luce how to travel abroad part one railway cars abroad are divided by partitions parallel with the end of the car into compartments ordinarily these are entered by doors in the sides of the car though now and then as in some parts of switzerland you find a car entered from the end and with an aisle passing through the partitions by means of doors on a few through trains you may find cars with an aisle running the length of the car along one side from which you step through doors into the compartments in england they are slowly making some approach to our american cars every train has doors labeled one which denotes a first-class compartment save in england there are always other doors labeled two which denote second class and save on some of the express trains of the continent there are still others labeled three for third class in prussia there are also fourth-class compartments some of the english roads have done away with second class others have reduced their second-class fares nearly to the third-class level furthermore the third-class accommodations in england vary very much it is therefore hard to generalize on the topic in its relations to travel in great britain but with some reservations it may be assumed that my remarks on second-class compartments apply also to the third-class compartments of the through trains not the local trains of english roads that have no second class the only important difference between a first and second class compartment is that the first class has ordinarily eight seats to a compartment four looking front and four back the second class has ordinarily ten one more on each side when all the seats are taken this is a slight disadvantage against the second class but that very rarely happens not once in fifty rides indeed there are seldom more than four people in a first or second class compartment or perhaps i would better say it is generally possible to find a compartment if you wish that has not more than two or three occupants in several months journeying on the continent two of us had second class compartments to ourselves more than two-thirds of the time and never tipped the guard that however might not be the case on the main lines of travel in july and august as far as train motion goes there is not the slightest difference between the compartments often the same car will have compartments of all three classes and of course each gets the jar and jolt alike our pullmans ride more easily than what we call day coaches but that is not the case abroad in cleanliness some travellers declare that first-class compartments superior to the second class but there is really no difference in germany little in england and france usually little in italy one englishman told me jocosely that after much travelling in germany the only difference he could find between first and second class was that one was upholstered in green and the other in red in cost the proportions averaged from fares in many countries are except for the english lines that have lowered their second-class fares first class one dollar second class seventy-three cents third class fifty-two cents in other words speaking in round numbers 
first class costs a third more than second third class a third less than second and half as much as first why then have the english any justification for their proverb that only americans and fools travel first class or as they sometimes put it more brutally only dogs and americans with the dogs first mind you simply because there is more false pride in democratic america than in aristocratic europe the head of the cambrian railroad a line where the third class corresponds to second class on the continent stated not long ago that ten years back the number of passengers carried in the first and second class carriages amounted to about ten per cent of the entire transportation of his railway system but that there had been a steady falling off and in the previous year the number of first and second class passengers was about two per cent of the whole that shows what englishmen think of the accommodations mainly chosen by americans and fools in england remember third class corresponds to second class on the continent and is equivalent to our day coach accommodations if first class meant the comfort and luxury of our pullman cars the circumstances would be far different but that is not so a few through trains have various brands of what in their ignorance they deem luxury but an american sniffs at their quality and is outraged by their enormous cost only the very wealthy ever think of paying for them there are indeed but two logical reasons why an american should travel first rather than second one is that the second-class compartments are the more likely to be crowded yet i have been in crowded compartments of both classes and as i said above have easily found solitude the greater part of the time when travelling second class the other reason is akin to the first that in a first-class compartment you are sure of the best of company if you have any while in the second-class compartment you may have to pass hours with unpleasant people but as the peasants always go third class and as the smoking compartments naturally take the men travelling alone this reason seldom has force you have to run the risk of riding with children possessed of lungs but even members of the nobility have been known to have children and have been known to journey with them englishmen travelling on the continent almost invariably go second class and what is good enough for an english squire or an english clergyman and his family ought to be good enough for most americans nearly all americans who buy their railroad tickets in advance who arrange for circular tours or go with personally conducted parties by first-class rail tickets as they get no experience of second-class travel mistrust their advice the wisest thing you can do is to wait till you get there and have seen and tried it or else to do what you will be told to do by nine out of ten americans who have made any stay abroad travel second class in great britain on what the englishman deems a long journey the third-class compartments of express trains are likely to be found satisfactory for such trains are little used by people who would be objectionable travelling companions indeed one may like his company in the third class better than in the second since it is not uncommon for the very rich to have their valets and maids travel second a guard at liverpool advised me to go to london third rather than second it should be remembered however that the third-class compartments of through trains starting from liverpool or any other port right after the arrival of a big steamer carrying many steerage passengers are very likely to be crowded with them 
on local trains in great britain the bulk of the third-class travel is of the mixed variety with bores and bores numerous so for any short journey i should advise the well-to-do tourist to take second class where it exists or otherwise first class and i would counsel any tourist who can afford it to shun the miserable dirty third-class compartments of the lines running south from london third-class compartments are often not found on continental express trains and where they are offered an extra charge for the fast travel is customary the peasants who must of course travel as cheaply as possible generally use the accommodation trains so that tourists who need to economize can without much risk of annoyance go third class on the fast trains in germany and switzerland the third class accommodations are exceptionally good and on the government lines in france they are very fair but on most of the french lines and generally elsewhere on the continent the third class compartments are dirty with wooden benches uncushioned and used almost wholly by the peasantry and working people many an american who must husband his resources uses them altogether and comes home none the worse for it but a woman travelling alone should have strong reasons to induce her to risk their discomforts small parties can resort to them better than persons journeying singly for a group of people by tipping the guard can usually keep a compartment to themselves where it would be hard for one or two to accomplish it the solitary traveller by the use of the tip can usually secure that none but respectable people shall be admitted into the compartment only under most unusual circumstances will any one be obliged to stand for the holder of a ticket is entitled to a seat and if there are more passengers than seats extra cars are added if all the seats are occupied in a compartment of the class for which you have bought your ticket you are entitled to a seat in a compartment of the next higher grade if it has a seat empty so if you have a second-class ticket and can find no vacant second-class seat don't get into a third-class compartment but take first-class without compunction an exception to the rule about standing is the prussian fourth-class compartment which no tourist should use except as a last resort as the peasants travel fourth-class in prussia third-class is likely to be less objectionable there than elsewhere so far as companionship goes and is frequently used by the upper classes for even short journeys entire compartments can be reserved in advance but on some roads the privilege is restricted to those of the first class the regulations vary but as a rule tickets must be bought to the number of two less than there are seats in the compartment for example to reserve a ten-seat compartment of the second class on a government line in france eight tickets must be bought to reserve a first-class compartment on a main line express train of the london and northwestern four tickets must be taken and the station master at point of departure must be notified in writing two hours in advance at a terminal station a day in advance at an intermediate station most travelers will take their chances on securing the desired result by tipping the guard there are always compartments reserved for women into which no man may penetrate even if such a compartment be empty the guard will eject the man who takes a seat there sleeping dining and smoking sleeping cars are now found on almost all the through lines of great britain and the continent in great britain not many journeys are long enough to give occasion for their use 
the charge there is not much higher than with us a specimen price being one dollar twenty five cents from london to glasgow in addition to the ordinary first-class fare on many of the continental routes the charge is exorbitant for instance the price from paris to marseilles a thirteen-hour run is nine dollars in addition to the first-class fare and that is typical of the french rates german rates are not so bad the first-class charge from cologne to berlin for example about nine hours is two dollars fifty cents german roads have both first and second-class sleeping compartments with little or no difference except in price the second-class rate averaging a quarter less than first-class the berths in european sleeping cars are even more uncomfortable than ours and their cost makes it safe for the well person not pressed for time to lay down the rule never to travel by night if he can possibly help it yet dr lynn says that for invalids he prefers night travel he says that it is better for a person in ill health to get over a journey than to ride all day perhaps on the sunny side of a carriage and arrive tired at night to stop over in a strange hotel his experience is that one is more tired out by stopping over one night on the road than by going through the best way of all for invalids is to take a short day journey and stay from three days to a week at each place distances are seldom so long that night travel cannot be avoided though here and there comes a stretch as between paris and switzerland where there is no place at which it is worth while to stop over for sightseeing and the day trains do not run conveniently so that a night journey is almost a necessity under such conditions most europeans get a corner in an ordinary compartment wrap themselves in a travelling rug and doze as best they can pillows and rugs can be hired at many of the large stations for ten cents or so apiece dining cars have come into use abroad much more slowly than with us because journeys there average so much shorter than ours in england the system has of late years been greatly improved and the trunk lines now make a point of their dining facilities in their advertising dining cars are run for each class of passengers the prices on the london and northwestern may serve as examples table d'hote breakfast in a first-class car seventy-five cents second and third sixty-two cents luncheon first-class sixty-two cents second and third fifty cents table d'hote dinner first-class eighty-seven cents second and third sixty-two cents refreshments are also served a la carte at buffet charges as by daily bill of fare restaurant and dining cars are also now run on many of the principal day express trains of the continent through trains on long journeys usually make stops long enough for meals and the station restaurants have somewhat better food in service than most of ours but there are very few attractive railroad restaurants anywhere in the world and many a wise traveler prefers to take something with him in the car europeans recognize the body and all its functions more frankly than do americans and to eat away from a table is not held to be in such bad taste there as many of our people seem to think it a hamper goes to the races with every party and every excursion becomes a picnic as good water is not always to be had quickly those who are not averse to wine will see that a bottle of it is provided in advance in germany beer is offered at the car windows at nearly every stopping place sometimes milk sandwiches are usually to be procured for those to whom economy is an object 
it may not be useless to suggest that when a hotel keeper puts up a luncheon it is commonly poor in quality and rich in price half the money if spent at bake shops and fruit stands will give much more palatable results the english roads have made a notable advance over ours in developing a basket luncheon system they inform their patrons that a basket luncheon will be put on board at any one of several stations the price is seventy-five cents for a basket properly fitted and containing half a chicken with ham or tongue or a portion of cold beef salad ice bread cheese butter etc with either half a bottle of claret burgundy or hock two glasses of sherry or a bottle of ale or stout price without beer or wine sixty-two cents if a hot luncheon is desired at the same price it can be secured by notifying the guard at a preceding stopping place all trains have compartments for smokers and a woman has no business to enter them unless smoking is not objectionable to her whether if a woman does enter the occupant should cease smoking is a question of ethics every man must answer for himself most europeans would not think of stopping some americans will stop anyway and few will keep on with unmixed pleasure even though the woman says she does not object other first and second class compartments have notices to the effect that smoking is forbidden but the prohibition is a dead letter unless a woman is in the compartment or unless some man objects in spain where smoking is universal a woman who dislikes it would better travel first class always once in a second class compartment there before daylight six spanish traveling companions were smoking cigarettes and not a window open yet the solitary spanish woman in the car seemed not to mind it an atom on another occasion in a first-class compartment a stylishly dressed spaniard entered smoking a cigarette and finding an american woman there asked in the most courteous of castilian manners if she objected to his continuing it she could not speak spanish but as smoking was not objectionable to her tried to assent by gestures when she put her fingers to her lips he misinterpreted her meaning and taking out his cigarette case offered her a cigarette and seemed surprised that she did not accept rail detail railroad is the commoner term in america railway in england the english guard performs the duties of our conductor and brakeman the english driver those of our engineer the english pointsman those of our switch tender we speak of the cars they of the train a depot in england is a freight depot the building for passengers is a station or if at the end of the line it may be referred to as the terminus our baggage car is their van our freight train their goods train our accommodation train their parliamentary train they refer to what we call a round-trip ticket as a return and they call a ticket office a booking office the rails are to us a track to them a line they talk of box and bag where we talk of trunk and valise bradshaw is the english synonym for timetable just as Bedecker or murray is for guidebook the continental bradshaw contains detailed timetables that may be relied upon besides a good deal of useful information and it is well worth trying to find room for it in your bag as with us local timetables in pamphlet form are sold for a pittance and are sometimes very handy it is not wise to trust the hotel porters too implicitly in the matter of trains they are familiar with the times of the through trains most commonly used but for local trains and all unusual trips 
it is safer to hunt up the facts in the timetables the cars have no stoves and the european has not yet dreamed of heating his cars by steam from the locomotive in winter flattened cylinders of tin or copper filled with hot water or some chemical compound that retains heat are laid on the floors of the compartments and mitigate the cold without really warming the car a rug is an inevitable feature of every englishman's traveling outfit an american may well take along with him the rug he has used on the steamer employing it as a bundle covering when not needed for warmth but from june to october he can safely dispense with it at any time of year however a rug or shawl may prove a convenience for night travel a clever way of arranging it is to fasten one corner to the rack above sit on the opposite corner and fold the other two corners around the body this makes a sort of upright hammock that supports the back lessens the vibration and prevents the head of a dozing traveler from dropping on a neighbor's shoulder a few cars have toilet conveniences but they are often accessible only from the outside of the car and so cannot be entered when the train is in motion the stops at important stations however are usually long enough to serve in this matter european cities are far ahead of those of america but european railroads are far behind the average speed on the continent at least is less than in the states but in england a few trains have speeds excelling the fastest on most of our roads usually tickets for the through trains are ten percent higher than those for accommodation trains but the time saved is worth ten times the extra cost what we should call the limited train from rome to naples takes five and one-half hours the express six and one-quarter and the accommodation eleven hours distance one hundred sixty-two miles trains are more nearly on time than with us once in germany i took an all-day ride with seven changes of cars for it was cross-country and the connections were so close that nowhere was there time enough for a luncheon and yet not a train was late in arriving or starting trains in great britain belgium and holland run on greenwich west europe time in switzerland italy denmark sweden germany austria and serbia on mid-european time one hour faster than greenwich in roumania bulgaria and part of turkey on east european time two hours faster than greenwich in france the outside station clocks show paris time but the inside clocks by which the trains are worked are five minutes slower catching a train is a habit almost unknown abroad even the american seldom indulges in it without a protest you get in the way of reaching the station from fifteen minutes to half an hour ahead of time and there are good reasons for it the earlier you get there the better seat you may find and your ignorance of the language makes it desirable to allow for possible delays in getting your ticket and attending to your baggage on the continent you will frequently see notices that luggage will not be received within fifteen or ten minutes before the train starts but the rule is not rigidly observed unless by special permission nobody is allowed on the platform without a ticket an official stands at the door of the waiting room to see that you have it this door is closed before the train starts if by hook or crook you got through after the wheels began to revolve and jumped on the train while it was in motion at the next station you would in germany at least be ordered off taken before a magistrate and fined trains pass each other on the left so that when there are two tracks as is ordinarily the case 
the passenger should seek the platform that will bring his destination to the left as he faces the track at the large stations there is a bridge over the tracks or a subway under them and it is strenuously prohibited to walk across the roadbed trunks and luggage on british railways there is no checking system corresponding to ours a porter takes the trunk pastes a label on it and in due time deposits it in the van if the passenger does not see that the luggage is properly labeled and put in the right van the railways are said not to be responsible if it goes astray on arriving at his destination the passenger goes to the van picks out his luggage and disposes of it as he pleases the american thinks this is a shiftless dangerous way of doing business but as a matter of fact things are rarely lost and one can get his luggage on a cab and start away from the station in a third of the time it takes at any of the big city stations of america on the continent what is virtually a checking system is in use though one gets a slip of paper instead of a brass or card tag and the process is referred to as registering instead of checking the leading english roads have recently adopted a sort of registration system whereby for a fee of twelve cents a package they undertake to collect luggage at the residence and deliver it at any point within the usual cartage distance from the station of destination the passenger ticket must be bought before the luggage is collected and the luggage should be given into custody a day before the passenger intends to journey if he desires to make sure that it will arrive as soon as he will the luggage can be sent till called for in which case it will be held at the cloakroom of the station of destination with a left luggage charge of two cents a day if not removed within three days by the way it may be useful to bear in mind that nearly all the stations abroad have parcel or cloakrooms where hand luggage may be left while one sees the town if not a porter will be glad to take it in charge for a trivial fee luggage can be registered through from america to almost any point in europe from london to most of the cities on the continent but passengers for italy can register it only to the frontier where it must be again registered there is usually a free allowance of fifty six pounds on luggage registered from london whatever the customary allowance on the lines over which it is to pass every railway station in europe is provided with porters whose business it is to carry luggage to and from the trains one can go through europe without ever touching his luggage except to pack and unpack it when the porter opens the car door you are of course at liberty to accept his services or not he is usually importunate but if you shake your head positively and keep a grip on your things he will hurry off to find some more willing victim if you let him take your things he expects a fee of what would be four cents in our money as in the case of all fees there is not the slightest reason why you should give more than the usual thing the english roads print an announcement that their servants are strictly prohibited from receiving gratuities and passengers are urgently requested to abstain from giving them money and any servant of the company detected accepting a gratuity will be liable to fine or dismissal nobody ever heard of the rules being enforced and everybody gives just the same but the british traveller complains bitterly of the american folly of giving sixpence or shillings instead of tuppence 
for taking a trunk or box from the cab or bus to the weighing room there is on the continent usually a schedule price of five cents that goes to the head porter if you care to give something extra to the man who carries it that is your own lookout you do not have to pay anybody for putting your trunk on or off the cars but you may be very sure that if the baggage smasher knew to whom the trunk belonged he too would expect a fee you are allowed to take with you free as much luggage as you can get into the compartment there is a weight limit on hand luggage but i never knew it enforced as to trunks the custom in england is much the same as with us no questions asked unless your trunks are heavy and many in the rare cases when the rule is enforced it permits one hundred twelve pounds free to first-class passengers eighty to second-class and sixty to third-class on the continent perhaps three-quarters of the roads carry no trunks free in france one is allowed sixty-six pounds on each ticket only fifty-five pounds when going to another country so that two persons traveling with one trunk get along without much extra cost the excess costs about two-thirds of a cent a mile for each one hundred pounds spanish roads make the same allowance in italy with no weight free the cost is about seven-tenths of a cent a mile for each hundred pounds so that a very heavy trunk or two light trunks may cost as much as a third-class passenger ticket in germany the custom varies prussian roads allowing sixty-six pounds south german roads charging for all on the swiss belgian dutch and alsatian lines one must pay for every pound of luggage put on the van in austria and denmark there is an allowance of fifty five pounds in russia of thirty six pounds if you are averse to having railway labels or the advertising labels of hotels pasted on your luggage provide a tag and tell the railway or hotel porter as the case may be that the label is to be put on it in most countries of europe trunks are safe enough when out of your sight but that is not the case in italy the train men there seem to have got into the unpleasant habit of spending their time between stations in exploring the baggage the last trunk robbery is a staple subject of conversation at italian hotel tables even the queen had two valuable dresses stolen while going from venice to monza one lady lost a precious bracelet set with large indian diamonds and when the authorities were informed of it they only expressed polite regret that anybody should have had so little delicacy as to steal her jewels the only protection is in cording the trunk besides locking it for they do not hesitate to break locks and in sealing the knots in the cords a leaden seal is preferable but if this is not easily procured sealing wax may suffice usually the porter at the hotel will attend to the sealing when asked instances are known however where seals have been broken and replaced the trunks rifled and no satisfaction obtained from the authorities so that the safest course is to carry jewels on your person so securely stowed away that pickpockets cannot get at them these gentlemen are plentiful in italy and elsewhere in europe augustus j hare the guidebook writer while entering a railway carriage in florence not long ago lost by their dexterity a pocket-book containing nearly five hundred dollars and at last accounts though the men had been arrested he had not recovered his money End of section four.